You're listening to the teaching ministry of Rhea Briscoe, a division of Snowdrop Ministries. For more information about Rhea or how to connect with Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website at www.snowdropministries.com or you can call 414-581-8150. We pray you are both blessed and challenged by this teaching. Father God, I just thank you and I praise you. Lord, I thank you for the kindness of these people. I thank you for their kind words of encouragement. But Lord, we just give you praise. We give you praise and honor and glory for you are the only one here tonight deserving of that. And and so Lord, I just want to lift up my praise to you. Lord, we want to bestow on you what what you deserve. And, And Father, we're so grateful for your faithfulness. We're so grateful for your word. We're we're so grateful, Lord, for your kindness to us and and your long-suffering. And Lord, I'm so thankful that you don't treat me like like my sins deserve. I thank you that that your mercies are new every morning and your compassions never fail. I thank you that you know us by name and you love us. You know everything about us and you love us anyway. I thank you, Lord, that, that, that you're with us like a mighty warrior, that you never leave us, that you never forsake us, that you never relax your hold on us, that you are Emmanuel, God with us, that you are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider, that you're Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer, that you're the Alpha, you're the Omega, you're the beginning, you're the end. Lord, you are the Lion and the tribe of Judah. You are a mighty God. You're almighty God. Father, I thank you. I thank you for who you are, and I thank you for your faithfulness. And your goodness, Lord, your goodness. And we bless your name tonight. We bless your name. We bless your name. And we give you all praise and honor and glory. Father, we say this is your place tonight. Lord, you promise that where you're lifted up, that you will draw all men unto yourself. And we lift you up in this place. We lift you up. Father, we say, have your way in this place. Be Lord over everything that's said and done here. Father, I pray that you not let one word come out of my mouth that's not from you. Lord, I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation to rest on this place, Lord, that as your word goes forth, that it goes forth and prospers in the hearts and the minds of these men and women. And Lord, that we would leave this place tonight changed, not because of anything Rhea Briscoe says, but because of your word and its power and your presence and its power. Power, Lord God, rain down on this place. Let your fire fall and your winds blow. Lord, we want to know you better. I want to know you better. And so draw us to yourself tonight, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I I want to to just go over, uh, just for a moment, the talit. When, when we had microphone problems last week, I was not able to do this the way I wanted to do it, and, and, and I've been mad at myself all week for it, and so I really want you to get this. This is really good stuff, and we talked last week in, 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 in way of review, we talked last week about the scripture in Psalm 91, if you want to turn there. Sweet Karen was going to read to us tonight, and I just plowed right into this, and so we'll, we'll catch her next week, but uh, I, I want you to just look at verse 4 in Psalm 91. We, we talked last week about the scripture that says that, that, his, uh, that he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. That he'll cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will take refuge. And we talked about how that word wing really talked about how a, a hen just covers her, her chicks with her feathers and it's a place of protection. It's a place of safety and how that's what that scripture really references. But, but I think it means so much more than that. And, and so I led you back to Numbers uh, where, where God said to, to uh, Moses, I, I think it's in Numbers 15, he says to Moses, it's also in Deuteronomy 22, he says, I want you to tell the Israelites to to make fringes on the corners of their garments with which they cover themselves. I I want them to have garments with corners that have fringes on them, and and I want them to cover themselves with them. And and I talked to you about the tabernacle and how that that was a place where where God said to Moses, I want to meet with my people. I want to dwell with my people. And how it had to be a tent. It had to be portable because they were in in the wilderness. 
And, and so that, that only the priests could go into that place. And, and how the, the word wing in that scripture, when he says, I want you to make, I want my people to make garments with fringes on the corners with which they can cover themselves. That word wing is the same word in, in Psalm 91 where he says, and under his wing you will find refuge. It's the exact same word in the Hebrew. And, 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 and so in this scripture where he says, tell my people to make garments with fringes on the corners, the corner there is wing. It's that same word in the Hebrew. Are you following me? And so when he says, I'm going to cover you with my wing, that's good. But then when you understand the talit, which means little tent, by the way, they have a big tent, the tent of meeting that I'm going to meet with my people, but I want them to have individual tents, a little tent that I can meet with them. And it needs to be portable. Do you just love it? A place of personal sanctuary, a place where they can shut out the distractions. Many people think that this is what Jesus was referring to in Matthew 6, where he says, uh, uh, when, you go, when you pray, go into your room or your closet, you know it as. And, and when you have shut the door, because we want to shut out distractions, and pray to your Father who is where? In the secret place. Go back to Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Are you, are you staying with me? And so many people think that when Jesus said, I, I will, when you pray, go into your closet, your room, which means inner sanctuary in the original language, inner chamber, it's any place of privacy, a room, a closet where one could not be easily seen. That many think when he said, make garments with fringes on the corners, the wings, same word as underneath my wings, you'll find refuge, that this is what Jesus meant. And because uh, Psalm 91, I told you that we don't know who wrote it. Some people think David. Most of the commentators think it was Moses. So wouldn't it make sense that Moses would use the very same language that God spoke to him about the Talion? So are you following me? And so I wanted to demonstrate to you last week what this looks like when the Jews use this garment. And so this is their what they call the Talit or their prayer shawl. And if you go to Israel today and you go to the Wailing Wall, for example, you, you will see them using these talits. If you go through the airport in, in Jerusalem, you'll, you'll see Jews with fringes hanging out of their pants. And it's their prayer guard, it's their prayer shawl underneath their clothing. And, and, and what God wanted was them to understand that they're set apart, they're different. When you look at a Jew with a prayer shawl on, you automatically identify them as a Jew. They're set apart, they're God's chosen people. And so they have these prayer shawls, and what they do, you'll see right here is a little border, and that is the scripture that says, instruct my people to put tassels on their garments. You are the God who instructs us to put tassels on the wings of our garments. You see, it gets really good when you understand Malachi 4.2 that says, the son of righteousness will rise with what? Healing in his wings, in his kenaf. Same word, Psalm 91.4, same word in Numbers, whatever it was, in Deuteronomy 22. You follow me? The Son of Righteousness will arise with healing. Healing, that word healing is just so good. It's so much more richer than what our word healing means. It's super good. It means health, healing, remedy, restoration, cure of illness, a cure of sickness, a calmness, a peace, a stability, a safety. Do you understand that the Lord wants you to come under his wing for refuge? Because there's healing in that wing. Some of you need a place of calmness. You need a place of, of safety. You need, you need to be healed. Your mind needs to be healed. Your body needs to be healed. You need some peace of mind. I'm telling you, run for cover. Run to the secret place. Dwell there and get under his wing. Get in the tabernacle, your little tent with him. Hide in the closet and get alone with him because when you do, there's healing in his wings. And so what they would do is they'd recite that, that, that scripture and then they would do what he said, cover themselves. Remember, he's going to cover us with his wings. Look at these four corners, what's going to happen to them? Remember I told you the four corners are the 
wings. And so they take it down then to their, to their mouth, and they bring all four corners up to the front. And then they pull it over like this, and that's their sanctuary. That's their secret place. That's their ability to shut out the distractions. Do you see it? And they're covered in his wings. And so when they're finished praying, they take it down, back to that starting position. They lift the wings. They put them up over to the back. All those wings go back to the back <laughs> somehow. And then they wear their tallit for the rest of the time like this. Is that just good stuff or what? Does that not make you want a prayer shawl? I'm like, how did we get left out of this, Lord? <laughs> just good stuff. It was all symbolic. Do you see? It's symbolic to us. But, but when you understand that there's healing in his wings, and now you're covering yourself with that, just symbolic of getting alone with the Lord, shutting out the distractions of this world, and getting underneath his wing, the protective covering of his wing, and healing's going to come. Can I tell you, when I get alone with the Lord in the morning, when I sit at that table with him, healing is coming. I'm getting more stable, ask Dave. I'm getting more calm, ask my kids. I, I, I'm getting my heart healed. I got some junk in my heart. I've been wounded. I'm just telling you. I'm telling you, church, what I see every weekend when we're ministering to women. I see over and over women who are stuck in their garbage. And I'm just sick enough of it. I'm just sick of it. Because you see there's healing in his wings. And we got to get to that place under his wing and let him begin to heal our mind. Because they're stuck in what happened 20 years ago go. This morning I read the scripture that says, forget the former things. Forget it. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? You see, you can't perceive the good he's doing in your life. You can't perceive the, the good plans that he has for you because you're not forgetting the former things. You're stuck there. You're dwelling on them. You're dwelling on them. And he wants to heal us. He wants to heal us. And when we get alone in that private sanctuary with him, at my table, for example, when I get alone in my little tabernacle, and it's not a prayer show, it's just me and God sitting at the table having coffee, I'm telling you, his wings come down over me, and there's healing that takes place in my life. Do you not want to get to the secret place? Get to the secret place. And so I wanted to go back over that with you uh, to, before we started into the rest of that scripture tonight, it was just so important to me that you got that deep down in your spirit. Uh, but that's just good stuff. If you have any questions about it, I'm glad to talk to you more. It's, just, it's good stuff when you begin to study that. Uh, Don, do we have the confessions tonight? Can we just do some confessions before we start in? I believe God's word. His word is forever settled. In heaven. He is not a man that he should lie. Nor the son of man that he should change his mind. No matter how many promises God has made. They are yes in Christ. And through him. The amen is spoken. His word is true. It's flawless. It's tested. It's proven, it's pure, it's tried, it's living, it's active, it's sharp, it penetrates, it judges, it's powerful, it convicts, it strengthens, it revives, it brings life, it never ever returns void. Oh, I believe God's word. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. I abide in his word. His word dwells richly within me. I am his disciple. Therefore, I will know the truth and the truth will set me free. His word is a lamp unto my feet. And a light unto my path. The Lord is my strength. And my shield. My heart trusts in him. 
And I am helped. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, I'm a righteous man. And the steps of a righteous man are ordered by him. I don't just listen to God's word. I do what it says. I am a doer of the word. Not just a hearer. I refuse to hear it and not do anything about it. Therefore, I will be blessed in all I do. The spirit of truth lives in me. He teaches me and guides me into all truth. I trust in the Lord with all my heart. I will not lean on my own understanding. In all my ways, in all my ways, I will purposely acknowledge him. And he will direct my path. I will not let his word depart from my eyes. I will keep it in the midst of my heart. For it is life and health to me. Oh, and my favorite. It is better to trust in the Lord. Than to put confidence in man. Some trust in their war chariots. And others in their horses. But I will trust in the power of the Lord my God. I will not take the name of the Lord in vain. I believe God's word. I wanted us to do those confessions tonight on truth because the last part of this Psalm 91 verse 4 says that that he promises that his truth will be our shield and our buckler. His truth there means the word of God, the Bible, his truth, his word. Sometimes we we talk Christian vernacular and, and we don't often think we call this the word, but it's the Bible. It's his word to us. That's why we call it the word. And it's the truth. It's his truth to us. He keeps his word. And he says, my, my truth, my word will be your shield and your buckler. Shield and buckler are war terms. They're, they're, they're pieces of armor. They're used in battle. And what he's saying there to us is life is a battle. This Christian walk is a battle. Don't you dare go out into it uh, uh, unarmed. We cannot go in to a battle unarmed. So many of you here tonight are being defeated by the enemy, and it's because you've chosen not to get behind the shield of his word, not to let him shield you with it. We have to use a shield for it to work. We can't let it in the camp and then go out to battle. We've got to get the word, his truth, in us. He says, my truth will will be your shield and your buckler. I like the NASB. It says his faithfulness will be our shield and our buckler. That bothered me a bit because I was like, which is it, Lord? Is it your truth will be my shield and my buckler? Or is it your faithfulness? Make up your mind. And so as I began to, to really meditate on that, I got to thinking about his faithfulness. Do you understand that his truth is his word, his word to us, and he keeps his word. He is faithful to his word. If I give you my word, I, I'm a man, I, I'm a human, and, and, and I, if I give you my word that I'm going to do something, I'm good for it. Ask anybody that knows me, I mean it when I tell you something. I'll keep it. And if I'm a human and do that, How much more does it mean to you when God says, my faithfulness will be your shield and your buckler. My faithfulness to my truth, to my word, will be your shield and your buckler. Do you understand that God is faithful to his word? That's why it's so important that we get it deep down within us. That's why it's so important that we meditate on it. Because that's his word to us. And it's what? Truth. And he's faithful to it. But you know what we do instead? Instead of meditating on his word, we begin to meditate on the 
word that the enemy whispers to us or the word that Susie down the street says to us or Tom at work says to us, and we take that as truth. <laughs> we come into agreement with that. We, we confess that scripture tonight that his word is yes. He, he gives the yes to his word, and then we give the amen. I, I really like that scripture because the word amen, I, I love I love to minister. There's some churches that I go to that, that the women will sit there and say amen, amen. I'll say something, they'll say amen, and I just love that because it means so be it. I agree. I'm coming into agreement with that. It just gets me going. It pulls on the anointing in me. I, I love it because what they're saying is we agree with what you're saying. It's good stuff. And you see, when God sends his word to us, the, the Bible says that it's forever settled in heaven. D do you love that his word, that Bible that you're holding, every word in it is forever settled in heaven? It's his testament. That's why we call it the Old Testament and the New Testament. Does anybody know what a testament is? It's a will, last will and testament. And so a will, when somebody dies, you get the inheritance, do you not? <laughs> Can I tell you that Jesus left a will behind for us, and he said, here's your inheritance to it, and I mean what I say. You can count on me to be faithful to my word, to my testament, to my will. There's an inheritance for us. And when I said yes to that, it's forever settled. You can't change a will after somebody dies. I don't care how good of an attorney you get. You can't change a will after somebody dies. It's forever settled. And his word is forever settled in heaven. When he says, you can have this, here are my promises to you, you have the yes. It's accomplished. Are you following me? But it's up to us to give the what? Amen. So be it. I agree. But you see, what you're doing is the enemy, and what I do, the enemy comes to us and he says, you're worthless. And you say, amen. I agree. And you're making that truth. It's a lie, but you're coming into agreement with it. You'll never succeed. Amen. I agree. You're a failure. Amen. I agree. You're not beautiful. Amen. I agree. You're always going to be an alcoholic. Amen. I agree. And we come into agreement with the father of what? Lies. Instead of the one who says, my faithfulness, precious one. My faithfulness to my word will be your shield and your buckler. I mean what I say. Every promise I've given you is yea and amen. I mean it. I'm not a man that I should lie, nor the son of man that I should change my mind. I'm not going to change my mind. When I tell you I'm your provider, I mean it. When I tell you I'm your healer, I wasn't joking. I mean it. I'm not going to change my mind because you did something wrong or you didn't please me. I mean what I say. I'm just waiting to hear the amen. So be it. And you see, when you take that word, his truth, and you start to confess it, that's why we do those confessions. Because what you're doing is you're saying the same thing. That's what the word confess means. I'm going to say the same thing as God. And, and you know the scripture that says his word is a double-edged sword? It means a two-edged sword, a two-mouthed sword. I think I told you this before. Let's go over it again. It means that God speaks it once. We come in and give the amen. We speak it too. We come into agreement. It becomes a double-edged sword. Can I tell you how disastrous a double-edged sword is? You stick that baby in, it cuts going up, it cuts coming down. It's a double-edged sword. It is lethal. Oh, baby, can I tell you when we give the amen, it's lethal to the kingdom below. It's a shield. It's a buckler. You see, a shield, it, it, it keeps the fiery darts because who knows, the enemy's got some fiery darts. <laughs> He's got some fiery darts that come at us. Do you know how important it was for a Roman soldier to take care of his shield? Do you know how important it was, for example, for Saul to take care of his shield? Forget the Roman soldier. Let's talk about Saul. It, it, their, their, their shields were made out of just layer after layer after layer of, of animal hide or leather and, and they would stretch it so it got really, really strong and durable and you could, you could pound that thing with a knife and it could go through it because it was so solid. But it was so important for a soldier to take care of that shield because what happens to animal hide when it dries out? 
it cracks, it becomes broken and brittle, and, and it really, it, it'll, it'll just fade away, it'll just break away. And, 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 and so it's important, every day a soldier had this daily routine where he would go out and he would oil his shield. Oh, are you with me? What's the oil symbolic of in the Word of God? The Holy Spirit. And we have got to oil our shields. We can't expect to not be in the word of God. We can't expect to not be in the presence of the holy. We can't expect to not be spending time with him and and want our shield to work when we need it. We've got to keep it oiled. We've got to stay in the presence of God and let his oil, the oil of his Holy Spirit, just pour over us and it'll strengthen us. It'll soften us. You see, some of your hearts are brittle. They're hard as rocks. Because you're not getting it oiled. You're not spending time in his presence letting him oil you. And oil is a softening agent. He'll soften your heart when you get under his wing. And so there's a scripture that says that Saul fell because his, that his shield was not oiled. And the, Saul, the, the shield of Saul was no longer oiled, it said. And then what the soldiers would do, the Roman soldiers, they not only would oil their shield every day, but the, the Bible, or the Bible, the, the commentators say that they had to soak it in water before going out to the, the battle. Because when the fiery darts came, if that shield was soaked in water, what happens when a fire hits it? It goes right out. Anybody know about the water of the word? I think it's in Peter. It says, washing her with the water of the word. You see, when we get in that word and we soak ourselves, we saturate ourselves with his word, and the enemy shoots a fiery dart at us, what happens? Whoo, my shield's going up. And you are not, you are not hitting your target, Buster. I got the shield in front of me. His truth is my shield and my buckler. A buckler is a shield that's, that's usually on the arm. There's a difference of opinion in commentators. Some say a buckler is like a coat of, 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 of uh, metal. But most commentators will say it's a shield on the arm and it's for the, the face-to-face combat. You see, a, a shield works at distance, but a buckler is face-to-face combat up close. He'll not only take care of the fiery darts of the enemy, He'll take care of those face-to-face, face-to-face battles that we, we, we have with the enemy. When he stabs with his sword, keep your shield and your buckler oiled. Keep them oiled. Are you spending time in his word? He's faithful to his word. The King James says, I love the scripture that says that if we are faithless, oh, somebody help me. He is faithful because he cannot deny himself. That scripture just blesses my heart because who knows that we are faithless sometimes. So sometimes I'm just faithless. I'm just going to tell you that. Sometimes I just mess up. Sometimes I just say, I just, can't, I just, I just don't even have time for that, Lord. Can I just say that when we are faithless, he is faithful because he cannot deny himself. And I want to just pick that scripture apart to you. That scripture is found in, in 2 Timothy 2.13. And the King James doesn't say if we are faithless. It says if we believe not. I like that. If we believe not, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. And that word in the Greek means to put no confidence in, to disbelieve, to be unfaithful to doubt. What he's saying is, if you disbelieve my word, if you don't have confidence in my word, if you doubt my word to you, the Bible, the truth, I will still be faithful. I'm still faithful to it. That doesn't change who I am. I will remain. It's a, that word remain in the original language, it means it's a state or a condition. It's who he is. He's going to remain in that state faithful because he cannot deny himself. The the word faithful there means worthy of belief or trust, faithful to his promises, faithful in duty to oneself or others. Oh, I love it. If you don't believe, if you doubt, that's your stuff because I'm still going to be faithful to my word. 
I'm still going to remain faithful because I can't deny myself. It's impossible for him not to live up to his character is what that means. I am going to still be faithful. You see, when we, when we really get that, when we really understand that he means what he says, even if we don't agree with it, even if we don't have confidence in it, even if we doubt it, doesn't change who he is, so we better change our state. We better start coming in with the amen, the agreement. Lord, I believe you're who you say you are. And I believe you can do what you say you can do. We've got to start wielding that sword. The Bible says, and uh, I want you to turn over there because we're going to look at that for a little bit. In Ephesians, uh, where, where it talks about the, the uh, armor of God. Ephesians 6, if you just want to turn over uh, to that. Because the, the, here's what I want to tell you. In, in Psalm 91, we're seeing that he says, my truth will be your shield and your buckler. Well, you can't just go into battle. Hey, precious ones, I didn't even see you were here. You can't just go into battle with, with a shield and a buckler. You need to have a sword. Those are defensive weapons. Every armor of God, when we look at that armor of God passage, every one of those pieces of armor are defensive. <laughs> If all you went into battle with were defensive pieces of armor, what would happen? Well, you'd be like a boxer who's, who's just, you know, blocking the punches, but he never gets the KO. You want to go for the knockout, don't you? And we got to start wielding a weapon that's going to get the KO, that's going to get the knockout. Do you not want to knock the enemy out? He's already defeated. He is a defeated foe. We fight from victory, not for victory. And when we really get that deep within our spirit, that God means what he says, he's always going to be faithful to it, that we need to give the amen to it, come into agreement with it, and that we already fight from victory. We're the winners. There's a scripture I, I haven't read somewhere in my notes, and I, I'll misquote it if I don't find it. But, but it, it is the scripture that says... Oh, Lord, just let me find this because it's just good stuff. 1 John 5, 4. Thank you, David. 1 John 5, 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Our faith. When you have faith, confidence, trust in his word, you are going to be an overcomer. That those darts are going to be knocked off. That the enemy doesn't have a chance with you. This is the faith. This is the, the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. We've got to start exercising that faith. Some of you can quote scripture inside, outside, and backwards to me. You're really good at it. You got it stored up, but you never, ever appropriate your faith and use that scripture to get victory from the enemy. You're an open target for him. You're never putting your shield up. You're never taking the sword and punching back. You're never going for the, the KO. I want the KO. He's taken too much from my life. I want the KO. So I want you to look at that passage in, in Ephesians 6 where it talks about the armor of God because in Psalm 91, we only see two pieces of that armor and we can't go into battle with just the shield and the buckler. We, we've got to go in with an offensive weapon. And Ephesians says that the only offensive weapon we have is the sword of the Spirit, which is the what? The Word of God. The same Word of God that he has just told us that he will be faithful to. His faithfulness will be our shield and our buckler. So flip over to, to uh, Ephesians 6. And I'm just going to finish with this passage, but stay with me because I want you to get this. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren. In other words, he's saying, I've spent the last six chapters of this long letter giving you all kinds of advice. But he's saying, if you didn't hear anything else that I've said, hear this. This is my final, uh, my final words to you. Get this. I want you to get this, he says. Be strong in the Lord. And in his mighty power. And you see that your strength isn't something you muster up. It's not something you strive for. You just are strong in him. It comes from being in that secret place. It comes from dwelling with the almighty. With the most high. He says be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. 
Put on the whole armor of God. I want to just stop there because some of you have known this scripture, put on the whole armor of God. I've known people that wake up in the morning. I'm putting on my helmet of salvation. I'm pulling out my sword of the spirit. I got my, and they walk through this thing in their mind every morning, putting on the armor of God. That, that's not what this scripture was meant to be. That word, put on the whole armor of God, in the original language, it means sink into sink into. I got to tell you, Dave and I have a hot tub and, and we have it because I got some stress in my life. And when I come off the road on Sunday night and, and I've just given everything I have, then you can ask Dave. He, he makes sure the hot tub is ready for me because the first thing I do is go sink into my hot tub. And I just sit there and everything falls off of me. And I can just relax in that hot tub like I've never relaxed before. It just, ah, oh, I can't even tell you. I can just picture it now. I can't wait to get home to sink into that hot tub. Honey, do I not do that? It is my, I love it. It's my, it's my, my refuge. It's a place that I go to relax. And, 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 and so this word, put on the whole armor of God, it means sink into. Just sink into it. Don't strive. Just get to the secret place. Get there because he's going to do all the work. It's his power that you're using. It's his armor that you're using. Just sink into it. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Why are we putting on the armor? Why do we have to get behind the shield? Why do we have to know the word so we have a sharp sword? To stand against the enemy of our soul who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Can I tell you, it's a battle. He wants to take you out. Oh, is, is Tina here tonight? She's not here. Uh, Tina Marilla, who's here uh, almost every Monday night, uh, uh, she works at Azana Salon. Yesterday when, when I got word that, that all that had been taking place, the first thing I did was call Tina. I'm like, where are you? She had off yesterday. Michael Sertalic, head of, of Stuart and Jill's Telling the Truth Ministry, he, he said that Zena, one of the women who were, was killed, is his hairdresser. And for the last several months, I think since the beginning of summer, he had gone to her on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock, same appointment all the time. The shooting took place at 11.09. He would have been in her chair. But for some reason, this week, his appointment was on Friday. He'll be your shield. He'll be your protector. He'll be your defender. He's got you under his wing. Oh, I got good. Anybody got goosebumps? I'm telling you, he is your protector. His armor, the enemy can't penetrate. But we got to wield it. We got to use it. But there's some wiles of the devil. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He was in the center of that act yesterday. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you think for one moment that this isn't a battle, you're wrong. It's a battle for your soul. It's a battle for your soul. The Bible says, don't be unaware of the enemy's schemes. He is scheming. I, I will say to Leslie all the time, we'll be out and about and be like, I'm not unaware of his schemes. Can I just tell you, enemy, I'm not unaware of your schemes. Every day I pray, Lord, help me not to be unaware of his schemes. Give me eyes to see him. Don't let me fall into his trap because he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So we put on this armor to be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. I don't have time tonight, but if you have time to do some study, look at those words. It's fascinating to me. There, there are all kinds of demonic forces, and they all mean different things. For example, the powers. The powers are the, the, the little devils who, the little demons who, who come to just oppress and come down on you, who are after your mind. The principalities and the rulers are over territories, over Milwaukee, the ones that are assigned to Milwaukee, for example. It's fascinating to get in and study that. He says, therefore, take up the whole armor, not some of it, the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore. Here's what I want you to see. Having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, 
above all, above any, anything else, make sure you take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. We just talked about that. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. The whole armor of God. From that place of hiddenness in God comes strength. But we have to get smart about how we fight. He's given us weapons of warfare. And we've got to start using them, church. We have got to start using them. When I think about this passage, Paul wrote this when he was chained to a uh, Roman guard for three years. I picture him writing this, looking up at that Roman guard saying, huh, he's got a breastplate. Bless, breastplate. Huh, the, the breastplate of righteousness. He's using a shield, the shield of faith. Look at those sandals on his feet. Are you following me? He was chained to a Roman guard when he was writing this. And so he took the picture from that. And he says, having girded your waist with truth. I, I want you to tell you that this is the most important piece of the armor. You say, Rhea, why? Because everything, all the other pieces were connected to that one piece somehow. Without that belt, everything falls apart. Can I just tell you, without truth, everything falls apart. When you start believing the lies of the enemy, count on your life to fall apart. You see, some of your life is in shambles. Everything's falling apart in your life, and it's because you're agreeing with the enemy instead of standing on the truth of the word of God. He says, having girded your loins, one of the, the translations says, with truth. that The loins were the, the private part. The, it's your private parts. It's, it's the part that, that you're most vulnerable in. Men, you're vulnerable in your loins, are you not? And it's a picture that he's drawing, and he's saying that the enemy is after your vulnerability. He knows where you're vulnerable. And that's where he's going to get his fiery dart. That's where he's going to get his sword. That's where he's going to battle you. Count on it. It's not going to be where you're strong. It's going to be in your weakness, in your vulnerable area, in your loin. And so it's vital that you have truth girded around you. Do you know that when a Roman soldier was off duty, his belt was loosened? But, but when he was on duty, that thing was tight. And can I tell you, some of your belts are loosened. You're off duty. You are never off duty. You are never off duty because he will take advantage of that. We've got to stay sharp in the spirit. We've got to stay sharpened with the word. And so he says, having girded your loins, your, your, the inner parts, oh, we need, to, we need to gird. The Bible says that he desires truth in our inward parts. <laughs> You see, some of you have some secret sin that you're nurturing, and you think God doesn't know about it. You think you're getting away with it because you're doing it behind closed doors, but can I just tell you, he knows what's in a man. He is fully aware of your secret sin. He still loves you. Trust me, he loves you, but he wants you to have truth in your inward parts. He wants his word to get down deep in you in those areas of sin, in those areas of compromise, and he wants you to guard it, to tighten it up. Some of you better tighten your life up. Those secret sins, those things that you're doing that you think nobody sees, tighten up. Because you're making yourself vulnerable to the enemy. He knows where you're vulnerable. Trust me, he's not going to hit you someplace else. And he's like a lion. Do you know that a lion waits for his prey? He prowls. He waits to just the right moment, and then he prounces. He knows when just the right moment is. And he will prounce. We've got to have truth in our own word parts. We can't just study his word. We have to make it a commitment to obey it. We've got to make sure that our life is covered in his truth. The best protection against Satan's lies is to know the truth of God's word. It needs to be central in our life. In our life. Everything is, is, is held in place by that belt of truth. Without truth, the lies will defeat you. Can I just say right now that every lie that's been spoken over your life, I just cancel now in the name of Jesus. Some of you have had lies spoken over you as a child. Some of you have had things said to you that's cut deep within you and it's been a lie. And I just want to cancel that in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to speak the truth of who you are in Christ. You are not an alcoholic. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. His power dwells within you. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives within you. 
You are more than an overcomer. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. He'll never leave you or, 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 or relax his hold on you. You are not weak. When you're weak, you become strong because his power can be made manifest in you when that happens. Thank you, Lord, that I'm weak so that you can be strong. We've got to start countering the lies. Counter them. Whether or not we're adhering to the truth affects all the other armor. He says, put on the breast, breastplate of righteousness. That word righteousness means right living. Oh, some of you are already saying, well, we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Yes, you are. When God looks down, he doesn't see your sin. If you have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are covered in the blood of Jesus, and you have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Oh, but precious one, can I just tell you, too many of us rest in that place. <laughs> It's, it is a place of rest, don't get me wrong. Nothing will ever change. You can make a mistake every single day of your life. You can sin like crazy, but I, and you'll still be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You'll still die and go to heaven, but I'm telling you, you will live in defeat. You will live powerless. You will live from, from problem to problem, crisis to crisis. Because you're, you are not walking in integrity. You're not walking in the truth. You're not living right. You know what God says, God's word says, and you're doing something completely different. You've loosened your belt. I know you think this is wrong, Lord. I know your word says it's wrong, but I'm just going to go do it anyway, and I'll apologize for it tonight. Maybe you'll still die and go to heaven. I'm sure you will. But man, what you're missing. His truth will be your shield and your buckler, get behind it. It'll protect you. It'll keep you safe. Put on that breastplate of righteousness, of right living. John says, they, 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 I won't, I, there's nothing that gives me more pleasure than to know my children are walking in truth. The breastplate of righteousness, the blessed breastplate, it covered the, the heart. It covered the heart. It not only covered the front, but it was the only piece of armor that went around to the back because who knows, the enemy's after your heart. And he'll come from behind and get you from behind. He is a dirty fighter. And, and, and the word says that when you are walking in righteousness, you are protected from those behind attacks as well as the front ones. Your heart is protected. You see, you can say to him, yeah, he always comes to me and says, Rhea, I can't even believe that you're teaching the word. Do you know the, what you've done in your life? Do you know the things that you've been through? Do you know the choices that you made? Do you know how rotten you were, Rhea? You see, when the enemy comes to remind you of your past, you make sure you remind him of his future. And every time he does that, I say to him, you're, you're exactly right. But I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're not getting at this heart because this heart is covered by the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But we can't stay, we can't bait just on that. It is the knowledge that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And that the old is gone and the new has come. That, that should make us want to walk in a manner that's pleasing to him. Does this please you, Lord? Is my life pleasing you? Are my choices pleasing you? Oh, don't you want to live like that? The breastplate, it protects the hearts. So many of you, and I just want to say this as tenderly as I possibly can, not in a judgmental way. Hear me say, I, I, I've done so many things that I wish I hadn't done. But there's so many of you here with hardened hearts, with broken hearts, and it's because you haven't protected it by right choices. Yet you've been in, intentionally going and doing whatever you want to do, banking on the fact that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that you can ask forgiveness for it. It's already accomplished. It's already done for you. And you'll just live however you want. No wonder your heart is hardened. No wonder your life is pitiful. No wonder everything's falling apart. See, righteousness, it protects us. It, it keeps us safe. Right choices protects our heart. 
He says, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel. I love the amplified here. It says, and having shod your feet in preparation to face the enemy. Oh, we're going to face him. I'm not running from him. To face the enemy with the firm-footed stability, the promptness, the readiness produced by the good news of the gospel of peace. You know the word gospel, it means good news. Uh, one of the commentators I read said, among the Greeks, this word was used for the proclamation of news of victory and the death and capture of the enemy. So good news was a proclamation, and it was them proclaiming, the enemy's been defeated, and there's victory been achieved for you. Can I just tell you, the Bible is called the good news, because what he's saying to you is, here's the good news. The enemy has been defeated. He's been conquered. And you are assured of victory. We fight from victory, not for it. And that's good news. Anybody else besides me think that's good news? The gospel of peace, that word peace means bliss. <laughs> the gospel of bliss, living a life which leads to bliss. The gospel leads to bliss. Can I just tell you, my life, when I get in that word and that word gets in me, it's good news. It brings me good news. It, it, it's making me, I'm living in bliss. I love my husband. I love my children. I don't like my job a whole lot, but, but, I, but I love what I do. I love to preach. I'm living in bliss. Do I have problems? Absolutely. Trust me. We need to make sure that we have firm footing. He says, make sure you got the gospel of peace. Those are your sandals. The good news. It means we need a firm and solid knowledge of the gospel so that we can take our stand. Do you know that the Romans... Uh, Sandals, uh, the, some commentators say that they had three-inch spikes on the bottom of them. I love this picture. I've been asking the Lord. I've been saying, Lord, I want you to increase my faith. Any, anybody want him to increase your faith? I want him to increase my faith because I want to be able to look the enemy square in the eye and say, I'm not backing down. My God is faithful. His truth, his faithfulness will be my shield from you, buster. My faith is the shield against you. You have nothing on me. I'm not backing down from this one. Your dart isn't going to work in my life. Your, your, your dagger isn't going to work in my life. I've won this battle in Christ. And I want that kind of faith that stands on his word, that can look at everything falling apart in the natural and say, I'm not believing it. I am choosing to believe the truth of God's word. I, I don't care what I'm seeing in the natural. I believe in a supernatural gospel. And, and I'm not going to be moved by what I see in the natural. Too many of us are being moved by what we, I've spent my life being moved by what I see in the natural. Oh, no, what am I going to do? How am I going to handle this? Thank you, Lord, that you have this handled. Thank you that I'm already an overcomer in Christ Jesus. Thank you that the victory is mine. Thank you that greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. Thank you that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is living and working within me and in this circumstance. Thank you that I'm hidden with God in Christ Jesus. <laughs> if I'm hidden in Christ, seated in the heavenlies, that means every circumstance, every situation in my life, every problem, every issue in my life is also hidden with God in Christ Jesus. He's got it. But I want that kind of faith. And so I love that the sandals, they, they had spikes on the bottom of them. And it was because the enemy, or it was because they didn't want their soldiers running away from the enemy. And so can you imagine if, you're, if your sandals had spikes in them, how can you run? you got to pull the spike out of the ground every time you want to move. And, and what it's a picture of is, I'm not moving. I'm standing. I am not going to be shaken by this. I am not running from it. I am taking back territory that is mine in Christ Jesus. This is my inheritance. Peace is my inheritance. Joy is my inheritance. Prosperity is my inheritance. Health and welfare is my inheritance. I'm standing and I'm not moving. Are your feet shod in preparation of the gospel of peace? Above all, he talks about the shield of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We talked about the shield and, and how it was important to keep it oiled and, and, and soak it in the water of the world. We've got to exercise our faith. We've got to appropriate our faith. 
He says, put on the helmet of salvation. A helmet, the, the, the soldier's helmets, it, it protected their whole head. And, and the word salvation, you've heard me say this a million times. The word salvation also means what? Deliverance. And we think of salvation just going to heaven. Salvation, freedom from sin, forgiveness of sin. But, but Paul is talking to believers here who already have salvation. So why is he telling them to put on a helmet of salvation? Where is the battlefield taking place most often? That's right, David, in the mind, right here. Isn't it ironic that he says, put on the helmet of deliverance? You see, some of you have given the enemy ground here. You're stuck. I pray all the time and I pray for this study. I pray that people who are stuck would get unstuck. That people who are stuck in a, in a pattern or in a, in, a, in a behavior or in a thinking pattern would get unstuck. Would not stay stuck there. Would move forward in him. Can I tell you, he wants to deliver you from those kind of things. He wants to deliver. I believe he wants to deliver from mental illness. I, I believe he wants to deliver from, from, from anxiety, from fear. He has not given you a spirit of fear. It's a spirit, and that's not from him. He's given you a spirit of power and of sound mind. Some of you run in fear from everything. Can, can I put on the helmet of deliverance. Let him deliver you from that thing. Some of you are so stuck in addiction, you go through and play the same tapes in your head all the time. I'm an alcoholic. I'm always going to be an alcoholic. I might as well go back now. No, put on the helmet of salvation, of deliverance. Let him deliver you. I know that my Redeemer liveth. He liveth. He liveth. And he comes to redeem, to buy back, to steal back from the enemy. He wants to deliver you. He is my deliverer. Put on the helmet of salvation. Protect that mind. It's interesting to me, and I'm promising I'm finishing, but in the word it says take the helmet of salvation. And I just want to draw that out to you. That word in the original language in the Greek means to accept an offer deliberately and readily. To take to oneself what is presented or brought by another. <laughs> to take something deliberately or readily. Whatever's brought by another to us to receive it. Can I tell you, he brought deliverance. He brought salvation to you. Will you take it readily? Will you take it deliberately and put it on in your life? Take the helmet of salvation. Take it and wear it. One of the things as I was studying the shield, I, I'm going to move on here, but as, a, as I was studying the shield... I came across a, a commentator who said that the shields that they wore, the word shield there, in the original language, it means door. That's how big the shields were, like a door. Can you imagine carrying that thing around everywhere you went? A door. I, I mean, that, the cool thing about uh, when they were in battle, they'd lock shields with one another. We need to lock shields with people, can I tell you? We need to come alongside of people in faith and say, I'll believe with you. I, I know you can't believe right now, but I'm locking my shield of faith with yours, and I'm believing. Tom, are you here? Tom. I'm locking my shield of faith with him, believing that he'll be delivered from cancer. I'm believing it. Maybe he doesn't have faith for it. I don't know. But I have faith. I'm locking my shield. And you see, when you lock shields that are the size of a door, you can really protect yourself, can't you? And, but, but I read that these, these shields were so heavy. <laughs> they, they were like really, really heavy. And so if a soldier wasn't training, if he wasn't physically fit, if he wasn't disciplined in training himself, he, he, would, he would just say, it's too much to bear. I can't carry it anymore. I, I'm just going to leave it in camp. And then what happens? He's vulnerable in battle. And you see, that, that was such a picture to me. I, I, I said to Les today, sometimes I get up in the morning and I think, Lord, everybody else is sleeping. It, it's it's 4.15, Lord. Everybody else is still in bed. Dave's in bed. <laughs> what about me, Lord? Why are you pulling me out of bed at 4.15? I'm sleepy. I just want to bed, Lord. Why? Because you're training, Rhea. You're in training. You're in training. Paul says to Timothy, train yourself to become godly. Train it. He says, for physical training is of some value. Oh, but training for godliness holds value for all things. We are training. Anybody? Uh, Terry's here. Terry, you got to train, don't you? To make a good basketball team, they have to train, don't they? 
She's got a good basketball team, but she trains them into the ground. They have to be disciplined. They have to show up. They have to exercise. They can't just go to a game and expect to be fit. They got to watch what they're eating. They got, they got to work out. We have got to train to become godly. We can't just wish it on, on it. It means, Rhea, get out of the bed at 4.15. If I wake you, I want you to go into training. Train, Rhea, train, train. You can't train laying in bed. Maybe, maybe it's not important to you. Can I tell you, I've messed up my life so much. I've messed it up so much that i got to train. Because godliness doesn't just happen. And I so want it in my life because I know what the pit brings. I know my heart. The Bible says that we are bent on backsliding. Oh, give me a chance. I'll head back to the pig pen. I know myself. I got to train. And it requires discipline. Discipline means I want to watch TV, but I'm going to choose to go to the Word. You see, some of you are like, she's always on this. It makes me feel guilty. I'm not saying it to make you feel guilty. I'm saying it to spur you on, to tell you that there is so much more. I'm, I'm telling you, with every ounce of my being, there is so much more than sitting in church Sunday morning, doing your, your hour duty, and then living however, living like my, my son says, Mama, we, we want to we go to heaven, but we want to live like hell till we get there. And we want to go to church on Sunday morning, and then we want to live like hell the rest of the week. Defeat is what it'll be. I lived there for too many years. I'm still living there, trust me. And then... What else I found out about the shield that was just fascinating? I know I've kept you late. I'll leave you early next week. But, but what else I found out about the shields? This is so fascinating to me. There were two kinds of shields that the Roman soldiers carried. Do you know that? I didn't know that. Some of you are so much smarter than I am, but I did not know that. And one of them was a parade shield, <laughs> and it was polished. It wasn't leather. It was polished metal. It had engraving on it, and, and it, was, it, it was really it was beautiful. Looked really good, but it was powerless in battle. It was just for parades and for public display. The big one, the door, was what they used in battle. <laughs> I laughed out loud when I read that because I thought about me and, and how uh, my shield for many years was polished. It looked really good on the outside, but it was powerless in battle. And we work so hard to look super spiritual, to be polished, to, to, to be just looking so together and perfect and look at me and we're parading it but we are powerless powerless in battle the last thing that I want you to see he says praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit I wish I had time to go over that like I wanted to I'm, I'm not going to keep you, but I want you to study it. I want you to ask yourself how you can pray in the Spirit. Praying all the time, always. How do I pray all the time? How do I do that? What does it look like to pray in the Spirit? I really want you to study that. I, I had it all ready to give to you tonight. Maybe we'll start there next week. But it's too good. Because here's what I always thought. I always stopped at the sword of the Spirit. I always thought that was the end of the armor. And, and this morning I got up with the Lord and I said, Lord, I just want to make sure I haven't missed anything. And, and can you speak to me, Lord, if I've missed something? Show me what I've missed. And, and immediately my eye went to that praying in the Spirit at all times. And then I counted, I counted the number of armor. If I stop at the sword, there's six pieces of armor. But if I go on to praying in the Spirit, there's seven pieces. <laughs> Anybody know what six? Where's Scott? Scott, tell me what the number six means. It's the number of what? Man. Human strength. If I stop at six, I'm stopping at what? What I can do. <laughs> but seven. Somebody tell me what seven is. Completion. It's the number of God. It's perfection. That's why there's seven trumpets. That's why there's seven churches. That's why there's seven, 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 seven all over the Bible. That's why 666 is the number of the beast. It's man. It's defeat. Oh, baby, I saw that this morning. I almost woke Dave up. I was like, that's just too good. Six, I don't want six, I want seven. What's seven? Praying in the spirit at all times. You see, uh, oh, Lord, please stop me. But, 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 but when soldiers go to battle, does anybody know what they take with them besides their, their weapons? They take a radio. 
because they, they radio their commanding officer for their orders. <laughs> we got to communicate with them. We got to radio them, praying at all times in the spirit. Lord, what do you want me to do? How do I handle this? Today I said to him, Lord, I need wisdom. Everything's too big in my life right now. I, I got too much going on. This ministry, Lord, I, I want to please you. I need wisdom. I need you to guide me. I'm, I'm radioing in, Lord. I need a weapon. My connection with you, my communication with you. What's my next order, Lord? Praying at all times in the spirit. I believe. Just give you a little snippet of what I believe. It's what I believe. You don't have to believe it, but I believe praying in the Spirit. I believe it's different than praying. I'm just going to tell you the truth. And I believe it's one of the mightiest weapons we have in our warfare, in our armor, in our arsenal. Praying at all times in the Spirit. Mighty, mighty weapon. So, Father, we just thank you. We thank you that you've given us your armor. You've given us your power, Lord. We fight with your power, with your might, that the battle's already been won, that the victory is assured. Lord, teach us how to stay hidden. Teach us how to stay under your wing. Teach us, Lord God, how to wield that armor, that sword of the Spirit. Lord, I pray right now for every person here. I pray, Father, that the word of God, your truth, the, the word that you are faithful to, Lord, that they would be purposeful about storing that word up within them and that word would come alive. Thank you, word, Lord, that, that that word, your word says the word of God, that word is a rhema word. It's not a logos. A, a rhema word is an aha moment. Hey, it's not something you get from a preacher. It's something you get by sitting in, in the presence of God and, and you wing it home to us, Lord, and we're like, oh, my goodness. That's so good. I pray for rhema words, Lord. Rhema. Rhema, aha moments in the word this week. Lord, will you give it to them? Will you give it to me? Lord, we want to know you better. We want to love you more. We want to serve you better. Lord, give us revelation. Give us a, a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might know you better. We love you, Lord, and we give you praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Rhea Briscoe, a division of Snowdrop Ministries. For more information about Rhea or how to connect with Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website at www.snowdropministries.com or you can call 414-581-8150. We pray you are both encouraged and challenged to go deeper and grow stronger in your walk with Christ.